Hello everyone, I'm Daniel Bryant and I'd like to welcome you to the Ambassador Living on the Edge podcast, the show that focuses on all things related to cloud native platforms, creating effective developer workflows and building modern APIs. Today I'm joined by Daniel Mangum, software engineer at Upbound and fellow podcaster in the cloud space. At DataWire, we've been following Upbound's work on the Crossplane project for quite some time. Crossplane is an open source Kubernetes add-on that augments your clusters and enables you to provision and manage infrastructure, services, and applications from kubectl or using well-established continuous delivery best practices like GitOps. A lot of folks I chat to in my day job are looking to create some kind of internal platform as a service experience, something like an internal Heroku or some other PaaS, and Crossplane is aimed at helping teams provide, manage, and configure the infrastructure and application bundles associated with this. If you like what you hear today, I would definitely encourage you to pop over to our website. That's www.getambassador.io, where we have a range of articles, white papers, and videos that provide more information for engineers working in the Kubernetes and cloud space. You can also find links there to our latest releases, such as the Ambassador Edge stack, which focuses on the Edge and API gateway use case in Kubernetes and allows advanced routing and security config. You can also find our latest open source releases of the Ambassador API gateway and our CNCF hosted telepresence tool, too. So welcome to the Ambassador Living on the Edge podcast, Daniel. Thanks. Uh, I'm happy to be here. It's quite quite the honor to come on today. Super. So before introducing yourself, I know you want to say a few words about the current happenings in the world. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you giving me a moment. I'm here to talk. And as you said, before we get started, I did want to say a few words um, about everything that's going on in the United States and many other countries, as well as folks are taking a stand against systemic racism and police brutality. First off, as a white person, this is a time where I mostly need to close my mouth and open my ears in most settings. We need to hear our brothers and sisters who have had enough with centuries of oppression. Because of this, as I mentioned to Daniel before we got started, I was pretty hesitant to record this podcast today. I've had the opportunity to be a guest on this podcast in large part because of privileges I've been afforded due to the color of my own skin. That being said, one of the most important things I can do is use my voice when given a platform to speak, and we all can do uh, when given a platform to speak. Um, and today we're going to talk about software, cloud, Kubernetes, and plenty of other topics that I care really deeply about. But if you take anything away from this episode, I hope it is this. Each and every one of us has a sphere of influence. We have people in our lives who listen when we speak. Uh, you may have a large social media following. You may have a podcast. Uh, or you may just have your family and friends. Whatever your sphere of influence is, you have the opportunity and the responsibility, not just today, uh, but every day for the rest of your life to fight injustice in that sphere. So fight it with your words, with your actions, and with your money. Do it at the national level, the local level, and within your own home. There is no easy fix, and if you're like me, you have a lot of learning and listening to do every day to even begin to bring change. But don't wait until you know everything. You'll never know everything, and you're always going to make mistakes. Uh, just wake up every day and consider what your role is and bring change that day, and then go out and do it. If you don't exactly hit the mark, accept criticism, have humility, listen to correction, and do better next time. Inaction holds back change. Start taking these steps today, and don't forget their importance a year from now when the new cycle has moved on to something different. Fighting injustice is a constant daily battle. Do not let yourself get comfortable. I know Daniel has pinned some tweets on his account with some good learning materials, um, but please feel free to also reach out to me directly on Twitter or any other medium where you'd find me. And I will not give you advice, uh, but I will try to point you to some resources that have been helpful to me um, and people I trust who have uh, more experience in fighting oppression that have recommended to me. I'll try to point you to those. So yeah, I just wanted to start off with saying that because that's way more important than anything we're going to talk about today. 
And the, the reason why I think we decided to go ahead and record this is because we do have an opportunity where people are going to be listening to us and, and we need to make the most of that. So I just wanted to give that that little spiel before we get started. And, and please, please feel free to reach out if you have any questions or thoughts on that or anything like that. Well said, Daniel. Well said. Yeah, one of the key takeaways I've sort of had myself the last few days is that need to learn more. You know, mm-hmm. I, that, that tweet I've, I've pinned on my account. Um, it's, it's a small thing to do, but it's somewhere where I want to start. I want to educate myself. And unlike you, I want to then um, share my learnings and so forth and difficult times for everyone. But I think this community we have, the cloud community is fantastic at, at generating awareness, fantastic at, at sharing ideas, listening to each other. So I think we need to not only focus on technology, we need to focus on important social issues too. So yes, Definitely. very well said. So uh, could you introduce yourself, uh, Daniel, and share a recent uh, Korean highlight for us, please? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Daniel Mangum. I work at Upbound, which is a company based in Seattle, Washington, but we're remote first. So I actually live in St. Louis, Missouri in the U.S. And Upbound's main kind of focus is a project called Crossplane, which is an open source, basically cloud control plane that is standardized on the Kubernetes API. I personally work on what we call the core Crossplane team within our company, which means I exclusively do open source um, stuff. So that means I'm, I'm spending most of my day working on Crossplane uh, things. I also do some upstream Kubernetes stuff. Uh, Daniel mentioned kind of this cloud native community and the Kubernetes community is kind of a, a subset within that. So I've had the privilege of being a part of that specifically uh, with the release team and, and some other SIGs within the community. So that's something that I definitely spend a, a bit of my day every day and also some of my hours on the weekends and nights doing as well. As far as a recent career highlight, I definitely say, and this is this is very fresh, uh, it'll be a few weeks old by the time this podcast comes out, but we recently announced that we're donating Crossplane to the CNCF. Uh, and that is a a really awesome thing from my perspective, being involved with other CNCF projects and kind of uh, looking up to some of those communities in my own career and, and journey in software. And as part of that, we revised uh, some of our governance where I was able to officially become a maintainer of the project, which um, it's kind of just a name change, honestly, but it was a big thing for me that I felt really honored, mostly because the other folks who work on the project who are maintainers right now, which would be some of the founders of Upbound and Crossplane are people I really look up to. So considering myself a maintainer alongside them is a tremendous privilege and honor um, in my book. So that's definitely my most recent career highlight, I'd say. Super stuff. I actually saw when I was looking through Bassam's presentation from a couple of weeks ago about the donation to the CNCF. Funnily enough, we've also donated Ambassador, our mm-hmm. open source API gateway to CNCF recently, or in the process of doing that. So when I saw the news about Crossplane, I was super excited to, to read that. We'll definitely dive more into that uh, later, Daniel. Like, I'm totally keen to cover Crossplane and go into more depth uh, on that. Before that, I've got to ask the traditional Ambassador Living on the Edge podcast question, right? Everyone who comes on the podcast has got to like, share their worst dev loop. And when I talk about that, I'm meaning like that ability to you know come up with an idea a code test deploy release and verify without naming names unless you want to unless you're allowed to <laughs> but name names, could you share your worst dev loop so i i've listened to i think every episode that you've put out on the life on the edge podcast so i am familiar with this question and i did come prepared um, i will not be mentioning the name of anyone i worked with or the company but my first like real paid developer job that wasn't just like a uh, one-off contract thing I was writing visual basic scripts for Excel spreadsheets, which was an incredibly painful experience. And the I'll kind of frame the setting in which I was doing this. So this was during my, the summer after my freshman year of college. 
And I worked out in, I'm, I'm originally from uh, Nashville, Tennessee in the US. And uh, I worked about an hour outside the city at this big, basically data center for a, a really large US company. And I worked in a cubicle where I didn't speak to anyone all day. And I basically just sat at this desktop machine and wrote these scripts, but my supervisor was in a different state. So my dev loop was basically write these scripts. And, and if you're familiar with Visual Basic, uh, there's not really a, a testing loop for that, except for you just provide your inputs. Or, or maybe there is a really great Visual Basic testing framework that I am not uh, familiar with, which could totally be the case. But what I was doing was writing these scripts, um, then running massive amounts of accounting data through these Excel spreadsheets and seeing if it basically checked the stuff that had been done manually before, which obviously could be wrong as well. And then I would zip up the file and email it to my manager, who would then kind of look through it and review it, maybe give some some feedback and then send it back, maybe actually, you know, adding code comments and then sending back. There's obviously no version control here whatsoever. Uh, it's yeah. all, you know, like xlsx or whatever the extension is you know underscore yeah. like this is the real one um or something <laughs> like that, that so that. yeah so uh that was our our git back then so that was definitely my worst dev loop and i think it definitely made me very tolerant of some other mm -hmm. bad developer experiences because you really you can't do a lot worse than that so unless if maybe you're doing punch cards still so <laughs> well said well said Oh, that's a, no, that's definitely a, a, a great experience to share. I've, I can feel your pain on that one. I can relate to your pain, definitely. So you mentioned Upbound and Crossplane. Like, I'm super interested. I've been following what's going on with Crossplane for a, mm -hmm. a year or so now, I guess. I, I think when I bumped into it with my InfoQ work. Could you give the, the kind of pitch maybe a little bit deeper to folks what Crossplane is, please? Yeah, for sure. So at the most basic level, Crossplane allows you to provision infrastructure from the Kubernetes API. So there's a lot of companies, Kubernetes has kind of become the standard across organizations where you're deploying your workloads, right? So Kubernetes in its original form is a container orchestration engine, right? So you have basically a way of packaging software and then running it on a node somewhere. So that's the, the basic part. And then the kind of big revolution in my mind of the extension story of Kubernetes was the introduction of um, third-party resources, which eventually became custom resource definitions. Mm -hmm. So basically, when you create a custom resource definition in Kubernetes, you're adding what is essentially an API endpoint to the Kubernetes API. Um, and then you can also introduce controllers or operators, you'll, you'll hear it called different things, um, that basically monitor these API endpoints or these API objects and take action based on, you know, things that the user requests to the API. So what we do is just like Kubernetes has kind of lower level primitives like a pod and then higher level primitives like a deployment, um, we kind of model that same thing for uh, infrastructure resources for cloud providers. It can actually be any infrastructure resource. You could write them for your on-prem systems as well, your custom you know, organizational systems. And so what we do is we model those infrastructure resources as Kubernetes objects, which then allows you to, with those same commands where you're uh, orchestrating your containers, allows you to also provision infrastructure around that because you introduce that into the Kubernetes API, we also have the opportunity to do things like, you know, inject secret information to connect to a database or something like that that's provisioned on AWS or GCP or Azure, et cetera. We have the ability to kind of control that workflow of getting that secret information to your applications. And then the the kind of like higher level value proposition here is we have something which is relatively new, which we've iterated on for a while called composition 
where it basically allows you to combine these small building blocks, um, like maybe a database and a VPC, some subnets, security groups, et cetera, and provision them as a single kind of abstract unit, if you will. So within your organization, you can define uh, these higher level primitives that maybe developers interact with, and then the platform team kind of defines it. So you can think of it, and this is kind of a, a tagline you'll hear often used with the project, as kind of like a, a build your own Heroku, right? So Heroku is a really easy to use cloud provider, I guess you could say, that allows you to get software up and running and has some integrations like some databases and that sort of thing. But essentially what we're allowing you to do is say, I'm not constrained by these abstractions that Heroku makes. I'm going to you know, be able to define my own abstractions. And then when I need to tweak those, I can go in as a platform team, change that around, make some new abstractions, and then provide those to my developers. So that's kind of the the full story of the most granular things we do up to the most kind of I guess, abstract or higher level things mm. that Crossplane does. No, that's that superb that introduction. And that's definitely why I was keen to chat to you today because we're all like building platforms uh, and mm-hmm. that it's quite a specialist thing. Like I've chatted to a bunch of interesting folks, as, as you know, on the podcast, but no one's really talked about building the platforms. I think that's where your expertise mm-hmm. is is really interesting. I'm guessing a lot of folks in this podcast, like like I started out with, are coming from, say, Chef, Puppet and the likes. And then you go to Terraform and things like that. Right. How would the... I guess the workflow, the maybe the mental model even, how would it differ if I'm coming from Puppet and Chef to Crossplane, what's the jump I have to make? Yeah, yeah, we definitely hear that quite a bit. And uh, especially Terraform, which I think is is maybe kind of like a level in between maybe Chef and Puppet um, before you get to something like Crossplane. So I, I guess the, the big advantage of using something like Crossplane that's a different developer loop is with Chef or Puppet or Terraform, that's kind of uh, sequestered from what you're doing in Kubernetes, right? So you have your mm-hmm. Kubernetes manifest um, and you have to figure out a way to wire up the different things you're provisioning with, with Chef or Puppet or Terraform um, to those Kubernetes objects and you know generally either uh, something you provision on kubernetes is either connecting to something you're provisioning with an infrastructure as code tool which i'll use broadly to describe those those different products there it's either running on those or it's connecting to them right so what we allow you to do is both in crossplane provision things and then schedule workloads to them as well as consume them and you can do that all in a single bundle right so let's imagine you have a, a git repository or something like that that has a Kubernetes deployment manifest. It has your website running that has a database backing it. And then you also have an RDS instance YAML and it's one command and it could be way more resources mm-hmm. than that as well, of course, but it's one command, cube control, create, apply, et cetera, all of those resources. And then Crossplane kind of takes care of wiring all that up for you. And then you have all your infrastructure and your application together. So that's kind of uh, bringing it to a singular workflow and also the, the part that I haven't touched on there, which is is pretty distinctly different from those projects, is that, you know, Kubernetes, it, its basic kind of way it, it does anything is in a control loop. So you're watching things continuously, right? So if you're familiar with Terraform, you usually do like a TF plan and then a TF apply, right? And then it kind of does this this static operation of going and creating these resources. And I'll make sure they come up successfully and inform you of that. But then you're done um, until you want to make some change to it. Crossplane, on the other hand, is going to go and provision those resources, make sure they get to a steady state, and then it's going to continue to watch those, and it's going to continue to see if you make any changes or if changes happen on the other end. So one of the demos we like to show off, if we're just showing the the kind of basic control loop functionality there, is to 
let's say, create an RDS instance with Crossplane running in a Kubernetes cluster, and then go into the AWS console and change the size of the database. So maybe we provision it with 20 gigs and we bump it to 30 gigs. And, and then we'll see Crossplane automatically say, hey, that's not what you said you wanted here in the source of truth. So I'm going to go ahead and go correct that for you. And so obviously with, with changing a database size, that's kind of a trivial example. But with things like a resource just getting into a bad state, you could see your, your infrastructure kind of like automatically healing itself. Mm, that's very cool. As you were talking now, I was definitely thinking of GitOps. Yeah, so we're mm-hmm. big fans of GitOps, Ambassador and, and DataWare. And we know that we've worked team quite well. Like I uh, learned lots from Alexis over the years and CEO there. I'm guessing this is pretty much, you know, you mentioned single source of truth, declarative. This is totally built for GitOps style workflows. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned, you know, Alex there and, and stuff like that. Argo and Flux and some of those projects, which are now coming together to kind of be this Kubernetes GitOps engine there. Those are things that we are super interested in because you, you get that GitOps CI/CD workflow now with your infrastructure, right? So those different projects allow you to get GitOps workflows with your deployments and, and containers and that sort of thing. But now you can also have your infrastructure in that as well. So definitely one of the biggest demos and the one that we had kind of like running on our screen at the last KubeCon was uh, one with Argo, where we'd show, you know, making a commit to a Git repository and um, having Argo apply that in your Kubernetes cluster, which then Crossplane sees and goes and spins up a database or spins up a Kubernetes cluster or something like that. And so there's, there's some different complex workflows we have there, but definitely very interested in GitOps and, and think that is kind of the, the way forward here. Mm, very nice. I'm, I'm going to come back to some of the dev stuff uh, and how that sort of relates to workflows in a minute. Uh, something I bumped into when I was having a look at the Crossplane website is the upbound registry, sort of like a free community library for all things Crossplane was the pitch. And it reminded me a bit of like, the rancher folks who've got sort of a community library, kind of like Helm, all that kind of stuff. Like it, mm-hmm. basically it's a catalog for things. Yeah. Uh, the upbound registry is pretty much that in the Crossplane world. Is that how I understand it? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a way to look at it. I think that we are still... Um figuring out exactly what that's going to look like because we don't want it to be um, restricted to any type of Kubernetes workload, right? So we have different ways of packaging things within Crossplane that make it really easy to do some of that stuff I was talking about, about provisioning infrastructure and workloads and then wiring them up together. However, there's a lot of existing projects and and apps and things like that that are already packaged using Helm or Customize or something like Mm -hmm. that. And we definitely don't want to be restrictive to that, right? We want you to be able to basically be able to install anything in a Kubernetes cluster from from a registry. And there's some other projects that are work, working on this as well. You know, there's like Operator Hub, and I think the CNCF just started. I can't remember. I think they changed the name after they announced it, but there's essentially kind of like a hub for Helm charts and that sort of thing. I believe you can download from And so we're definitely looking at those communities as well and just trying to find something that allows you to basically get this infrastructure alongside uh, with things you're provisioning. So exactly how that packaging looks, I think there's still some some sort of convergence to happen in the community about how we want to package things or if we want this kind of like disparate packaging thing. And if so, is there some sort of interface we can standardize on to make that easy to install in a uniform way? Mm-hmm. Because as you were talking uh, about sort of earlier on the packaging of things, it reminded me. So I bumped into Plumi quite a bit, and they have this mm-hmm. notion of modules. But even taking it a bit further is what I've hear hear you talking about. Could you almost imagine, like, say, having like a WordPress kind of package in Crossplane that say literally deployed my LAMP stack, my database, and the app? Would that be a thing in Crossplane? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you bring up WordPress. Um, that's kind of like our, our core demo right now. <laughs> I, which it's, right. <laughs> I promise I did not pay Daniel to bring this yes, up before. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in Upbound, if you go and, and watch some of the demo videos or if, you know, Upbound now, uh, Upbound Cloud is now available so you can go create an account and do it yourself. Mm. But WordPress is kind of the thing where in the WordPress scenario we have, we will create like a VPC and the subnets and then we'll create yeah, a Kubernetes yeah. cluster and the database and have them be able to securely connect to each other. So no public IPs or anything like that. So mm. we're setting up, you know, the subnets and security groups behind the scenes there as well. And then, you know, so we have WordPress running the database, they're connected up. And then it basically just gives you back a URL and says, here's your full WordPress stack running, configure mm. it as it needs to nice. be. And and we show that also across four different clouds. So we have within the Crossplane or, you know, anyone can write a provider for Crossplane. But within Crossplane right now, we support um, GCP, AWS, Azure, and Alibaba Cloud. So mm. we show that running across different ones. We also have a few other apps that you can try out as well there. But yes, that's definitely the vision of like, you know, one click infrastructure app, everything, your stack is ready to go. And the thing that I like to think about, which is, is obviously down the line with more adoption and that sort of thing is basically companies being able to public like open source their platforms. So you can think about if you're a startup saying, you know, maybe I'm running like an e-commerce site and let's say Nike or something has this platform where they've defined their abstractions and apps and those sort of things. And then they're saying, we're going to open source this platform and I can basically as a new startup go grab pieces of that platform and kind of like take building blocks and build you know, my own Heroku, if you will, um, or maybe something a little more complex than that from that. And it's also portable potentially across regions, geographies, clouds, etc. That's a super interesting abstraction, isn't it? Yeah, before perhaps coming back to that a little bit more, something you mentioned that caught my, uh, my ear there was security, which is like, mm -hmm. you know, the classic IAM rules and security groups and, and ACLs and so forth in Amazon. I've spent many an hour figuring that stuff out sometimes, right. um, but it is super important. I think I did bump into somewhere a mention of Open Policy Agent because I had a chat with Michael Hasenblas a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Michael was really interested in OPA. He's got some fantastic demos he was talking about. Uh, is OPA maybe a way to do some fine-grained control within things like cross-plane, kind of guardrails, I guess. Definitely. And and there's a couple of different integration points there. So first of all, OPA is a awesome project. Uh, it's super mm -hmm. cool. It can be used in a lot of different ways. It, it truly is a, a general purpose policy engine there for you that you can use across a lot of different um, scenarios. And actually, so we had our community day last week where we had a bunch of different speakers, which I, I was emceeing and definitely felt a bit out of place with the, the <laughs> caliber of speakers we had there. So definitely we're going to be kind of like chopping up that video and publishing nice, the separate nice. sessions. And you can see those on YouTube in that. And then also on, on TBS, which is our biweekly live stream show, we had OPA present both those. So on TBS, Torin Sandal, who's one of the, the co-founders of the project. And then at the community day, Tim Henricks, who is the, the other co-founder um, of the project. And they both work for, for Styro, which is kind of the core company behind that. They both showed demos of, of using Crossplane with OPA. So in those demos, you know, OPA integrates really well with the Kubernetes API, as well as other things. And there's lots of other projects as well. So we've already mentioned like GitOps and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. One of the advantages of standardizing on the Kubernetes API is that we can basically talk the same language as all these different projects, right? So OPA is frequently used in Kubernetes to restrict maybe, you know, security context on a deployment or something like that. But it also allows you to write policies for any um, custom resources as well. So once you begin to define 
all of your uh, infrastructure as Kubernetes custom resources, then you have a general purpose policy agent that goes across them. So in the demo that was shown at Community Day, for instance, once again, going back to like this database size kind of example, because it's just an easy one to go to. Maybe you don't want your developers to be able to spin up a database larger than 20 gigs or something mm -hmm. like that. So you can write a policy specifically with uh, Gatekeeper is what we're using in this example, which is OPA's Kubernetes uh, controller. Mm -hmm. You can write a policy there that basically says anytime um, an RDS instance is created, uh, check and make sure that it's not over 20 gigs. And if it is over 20 gigs, um, then it uses an admission webhook to basically say, you know, you're not allowed to create that. Um, and since that mm -hmm. object doesn't actually get created, then, then Crossplane isn't going to go provision that. So by being part of this Kubernetes API ecosystem, we get a lot of those things out of the box. So definitely policy is a big part of provisioning infrastructure particularly because cloud spend is such a massive part of any company's, you know, bill. So that's definitely something we are very interested in as well as the OPA folks. So it's cool to see the integration there for sure. Super interesting. Something um, you said there, Daniel, a couple of times, it reminds me, I chatted to the Buoyant folks a while back, Oliver from Buoyant mm -hmm. and, and like Linkerd, obviously their service mesh, he was all in on Kubernetes. He said, we're betting that Kubernetes is the abstraction of the cloud. And that's why then, you know, at the time I was chatting to Oliver, this was a while back, they were not looking at supporting other other abstractions with, with the service mesh. Right. I'm guessing what, what I'm hearing, and I know it's personal opinion mixed in with sort of some company policy here as well, but it sounds like you are all in on Kubernetes as the abstraction of the sort of future data plane, if you like, of, of, the, of the cloud. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think we are. Obviously, uh, Crossplane pitches itself as essentially an add-on to Kubernetes to allow you to do infrastructure provisioning. Some of the finer points around that, as you said, can be a little complicated. I will say just to kind of like give a behind-the-scenes look here. So Kubernetes has different components that basically make it be able to do all the things it does. So some of the primary components are you generally have like uh, this control plane and then you have the nodes which which run your containers for you. Mm -hmm. So in crossplane besides the controllers that are actually running, uh, you actually don't need any nodes if you're not provisioning workloads on that cluster. So uh, we generally talk about this. If you're familiar with Cluster API, there's kind of like a similar concept. So what Cluster API does is it uses a Kubernetes cluster to spin up other Kubernetes clusters. And they'll generally call that first one a bootstrap cluster. And so you can use kind or something like that, which allows you to basically spin up your new Kubernetes cluster and then kill the bootstrap cluster. You don't really care about it. Um, but in Crossplane, we, we might call that a control cluster, and it's going to be a more of a long-lived thing. So Crossplane not only allows you to provision external infrastructure, um, it can also allow you to provision other Kubernetes clusters and then schedule workloads to those remote clusters. So you can think in the control cluster, which this is probably a little bit hard to explain just over words. So maybe <laughs> I'll, I'll follow up in a tweet or something with a diagram of this. But in the control cluster, imagine that is your bootstrap cluster, but it's going to live, uh, you know, in perpetuity, essentially. So in that cluster, you're not doing anything but creating other infrastructure and scheduling workloads to it. So you don't actually need the ability to run container workloads in that control mm -hmm. cluster. Yep. So that actually allows you to cut down a lot of the components in, in Kubernetes. So you really only need etcd, which is the, the key value store, which basically holds all the data for Kubernetes. And these different objects that you're creating are stored there. Mm -hmm. as well as some other metadata. And then the API server, which basically serves up those endpoints we were talking about and interacts with etcd on your behalf. So really all you need to actually get Crossplane working is the, the API server and etcd. So you can imagine that you actually don't need a, a quote-unquote full Kubernetes cluster to be able to run Crossplane. Uh, you could just have a control plane with those components 
and then be able to schedule workloads to essentially other remote full Kubernetes clusters. So we allow you in Crossplane to run what's called hosted mode, where you can run multiple Crossplane uh, clusters within a single Kubernetes cluster. So there's some documentation on that as well, but essentially what we're doing there is spinning up an API server um, and an etcd instance or connecting you back to the main etcd instance with a different namespace that you're writing to and just having Crossplane working there. So basically you only need a place to register these custom resources and then Crossplane can, can kind of watch and interact with those. That has been a super interesting dive into the behind the scenes. I'd not thought <laughs> of it in that way. Yeah, that's really using Kubernetes as an abstraction of the cloud. Because I, I chatted to Katie Gimanji a while back, and she's doing a lot of work in the cluster mm -hmm. API space. So I learned a lot from Katie then. And I'm thinking the combination of what you've just described there, cluster API, and then even like multi-cluster. Like multi-cluster seems like a big thing at the moment, particularly in the service mesh space. You could almost imagine what you just described there with uh, with Crossplane as it's sort of being the the overarching control plane for mm -hmm. multiple clusters and then you maybe you have like api gateway or service mesh doing the traffic management but crossplane is more like the infrastructure and the glue at the at the at the infrastructure level i guess right that's that's a terrific way to look at it and and not to keep plugging our live stream but it seems like <laughs> every every person you bring up has uh, either been on our live stream or their their project or company has been so we've had linkerd on there and we've we've also had cluster api so we're we're definitely not in direct um, competition with cluster api because what cluster api does is it basically spins up self managed kubernetes so mm. actually provisions like EC2 instances or something like that, and then uses Cube Admin to, to bootstrap a Kubernetes cluster there. Crossplane actually allows you to bring a cluster API provision cluster and schedule workloads to that, or what the kind of clusters that we would allow you to create would be like GKE or EKS or, or some hosted offering like that, right? A managed service, which you can also schedule to, or you can have you know your Kubernetes cluster running on your Raspberry Pi, and as long as you have a, a valid Cube config, you can schedule workloads as well there. And what you mentioned about Linkerd, uh, Linkerd has recently been working on this. I think they're calling it service mirroring, which basically mm. allows you to do this this multi cluster uh, data plane. We we do not work on the data plane whatsoever, except for providing you basically credentials to talk to something. So exactly what you said about Kubernetes being a control plane. We had one of the engineers from Linkerd on on the live stream, and this was when they were first starting, kind of on the service mirroring stuff. And we were talking about how Kubernetes could serve as that control plane. If, and if you have this service mirroring set up with Linkerd in these remote clusters, then your workloads can talk to each other. And then you can get into a whole nother realm of basically doing dynamic scheduling to Kubernetes clusters based on certain attributes. So maybe geography, Ooh, maybe failover, you know, latency, cost, all those sorts of things. And if you have this, this kind of generic way uh, to communicate between these clusters, and that makes that a lot more powerful. As you mentioned, Linkerd and other folks, there's some some upstream Kubernetes work happening with multi-cluster stuff. And we're basically saying on that data plane side, y'all own that. Like we, we think mm. you have a much, much better insight there and we don't want to get outside our bounds there. So we're going to allow you to basically put the configuration in that cluster for what you mm. want to happen there. But in terms of connecting them up, we'll defer to other projects and allow people to bring their service meshes or their upstream Kubernetes to, to handle that problem. I like this a lot. As I've moved from my career, sort of having that notion of single responsibility principle, I think is really, really core cool. separation of concerns, like do one thing and do it well, classic like Unix philosophy, right. but then also having the integration points is really important. So I, the, the picture I'm hearing from you, Daniel, is there's clear value in each piece of the puzzle here, but we've got the integration points set up well. Yep, absolutely.
Nice, very nice. Now it's all coming together. I'm, I'm super, like I'm super privileged, right? I get to chat with all these interesting <laughs> people on the podcast, and I'm gradually, I think, joining the dots on where the future is, perhaps is going. Yeah, we're all we're, we're all making the future as we as we do this now. But I think this is a super interesting vision. So that was, yeah, really enjoyed that. That was a that was a great insight. Before we sort of wrap up, I did want to um, briefly dive into a project that I see you working on at docs.crds.dev. Could you briefly give the pitch for what you've done there? It looks super interesting on Twitter. I was kind of kind of curious. Yeah, well, I appreciate you calling that out. That is um, a project that I've kind of taken on as, as a side project to some of the cross-plane and Kubernetes stuff I do. So uh, I'll give you the original motivation here. We have lots of different CRDs, cu- custom resource definitions in Kubernetes or in cross-plane. You can imagine if every cloud managed service on AWS, GCP, Azure, et cetera, has its own CRD, then you're going to have quite a few. And then we also have some that allow us to do some other things like like wiring those together. So, you know, you're talking hundreds, potentially getting to like thousands of CRDs in our project, which we are a little bit unique in that regard. But there are a lot of projects that bring along their own CRDs. And that's kind of becoming uh, the way that you talk in Kubernetes now. True. And so before before we were starting, uh, you mentioned like Javadoc and, and GoDoc and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So I have definitely looked at those projects with admiration, mostly because they are extremely simple, but they provide a ton of value and people use them all day, every day. So uh, what we were doing in Crossplane is we basically, uh, Nick, who is uh, Nick Cope, who is the lead of the, the core Crossplane team, who fantastic engineer, had this tool that was basically allowing us whenever we made a change to any of the different providers, which would be, you know, AWS, GCP, et cetera, added new resources, changed them. We would run this tool and we had a centralized repository for the documentation and it would generate new docs for the CRDs, basically, you know, tell you the field, tell you what was required, et cetera. And that was great. But when you get more and more providers and more and more CRDs and you have this centralized documentation, that was getting really hard to maintain. And we'd often cut a release and not have run the uh, doc generation as soon as we needed to or something snuck in at the last minute. It was also, you know, someone had to download a binary. So if if a new contributor comes in and, and says, I want to modify this resource or add a new one, they may not be familiar with that they need to go run this tool. So basically, it was a very manual process. Mm-hmm. It was error prone. It was arduous. So I was trying to find a better way to do this. And basically, what I did was exactly copy those projects. So there's not a (laughs) lot of innovation happening here. But what doc.crds.dev does is it basically goes and looks at repos on GitHub. And it parses them for YAML files that are custom resource definitions and does some some validation there and then serves them up in, in a web app. Right now, it does that basically by me feeding it uh, a few different repositories. So obviously the cross-plane ones, it is now the standard place for all of our documentation. But I also have some some other repos that are popular in the community there, like Jetstack Cert Manager, Cluster API, oh, yes. OPA, some of those. So those are manually provided right now. But if you're familiar with those documentation engines, they basically index all of GitHub and all of Git repositories and that sort of thing. So that's definitely the the mission there. And I'm kind of like slowly moving towards that by adding more and more projects and seeing what breaks and then iterate to make it more general purpose. And the idea there is that we kind of will do, you know, there's not really a standard for having one CRD that is like the source of truth in your repo. So we're, we're adding the ability to have configuration that basically says, this is the source of truth for this kind of CRD. And I want you to like serve that on the website. 
And so we can allow people to kind of like get some better performance there. So the the, the end goal is that it serves up any repository anywhere, um, shows you the CRD in kind of a nice format, shows you what are the required fields. Also, maybe generates example valid CRDs for you. So these are all things that are kind of in the works. And it's been really cool to get to do that. The infrastructure behind that is sponsored by Updown, Upbound. So I really uh, appreciate them sponsoring me there. And also, fun fact, it runs on Crossplane. So the Redis <laughs> behind the scenes is running on GCP, which is provisioned by a Crossplane cluster where also the web app is running as well as the Git repository indexing. So it's kind of a, a dog food opportunity and scratch your own itch. So if folks are interested in that, I've definitely seen some some interest from some projects that uh, want their, their CRDs indexed then definitely open an issue and, and I'll get support there. And then eventually we'll have kind of like this, this general purpose place to go look for CRDs and, and know what it is required to create instances of them. Uh, great pitch, Daniel. Documentation, like throughout my dev career, any mops career, like super, super important, right? For building that mm-hmm. mental model, for, you know, for, uh, figuring out what to do, how to fix tasks. Awesome stuff. I'll definitely put the link in the show notes. No worries on that one. Uh, as a wrapping up question, uh, what are you excited about over the next few years in the dev space? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say, and this is not specifically related to Crossplane, but I think it fits in. I am excited about moving away from local machines. So this is kind of uh, already happening through projects that have been around for a while, like Replit or something like that, if you're familiar, where you basically have your editor in the browser. I know GitHub just uh, started code sandboxes, so that's kind of a new direction. But I think we're going to move more and more towards that. I know there's actually a a startup in, in San Francisco somewhere, of course, that basically streams Chrome to your laptop as opposed to you actually running Chrome locally. And the idea is that as network bandwidth becomes more and more robust, that it's going to actually be more efficient for you to stream Basically, you know, you're basically doing a, sc- a very advanced screen share to stream applications to you as opposed to actually running them on your local machine. Obviously, this isn't going to work for every scenario, but as someone who gets frustrated when my computer restarts itself or something like that, even though I have a, a pretty nice machine here, I'm really excited to make that developer workflow um, more efficient. And I think when we have that ability, then you get all sorts of more robust opportunity for for testing and having quick development loops. So for instance, with with testing Kubernetes things, you kind of have to have uh, at least some components of a Kubernetes cluster running. But you can imagine if you had some sort of code sandbox, then whoever was offering that, whatever company or organization, they could basically provide the Kubernetes API there if they wanted, and, and you could connect directly to it. And it would sort of be basically like compiling your code. You can kind of do whatever you want there. So I think that as this continues to develop, that we may start to see some interfaces and ways to write generic plugins to provide different development things in these kind of hosted IDEs. Um, so I'm excited for that for sure. Mm. And and I, I selfishly think that some of the things that we can provide there are maybe some managed services that Crossplane could provision for you <laughs> and allow you to connect to in your dev loop. I will say one company that's kind of working on this is Octeto. Um, which I don't know if yes. you've had them on the show, but Ramiro, who is their, yeah, he's their CEO and just super nice person. Like just one of the kindest people I've ever met. So definitely would advise having him on. 
and uh, they're working kind of on the Kubernetes dev loop there. Mm-hmm. And we've done some some demos with them about showing your dev loop of provisioning an application, but also provisioning your dev database and then swapping it out for a production database and using cross-plane with that as well. So that's definitely an area that I'm excited to see how that continues to mature and potentially how the work I do can fit into that as well. Super, but great answer and on brand as well. What more can you ask for? <laughs> you got the crossplane men- mentioned in there. Octeto, right. funny, I've cropped up several times. They've cropped up on the DataWire radar. We talk about them in our Slack in, in all good terms. And just this morning, I was checking out the website again because like, I was like, this is super interesting tech. So cheers for that recommendation. I should definitely reach out to the Octeto folks. But then it's been a genuine pleasure. There's been so many amazing things we've covered here today. I'll be sure to write up show notes and, and link to various things we've talked about. But yeah, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said at the beginning, it is an honor and privilege to be here. And I really appreciate the work you you do and will continue to promote it. Um, and excited to see some of the, the guests that you kind of gave me a behind the scenes look that are going to be coming up. There's some really, really great stuff that's already going to be published and people have listened to by the time uh, they hear this episode. So excited to hear that. 